So hello and welcome to this, which is our ninth Smart Building webinar in the 2016 series. And this is titled Demystifying the IoT in Smart Buildings. And I'm very pleased to introduce Chris Owen from Tridio Europe. Hi, Chris. Hi. How are you today? Fine. Very keen to share with you all. Great, yeah. So um, for those that have... Uh, listen to some of our webinars before what we're going to do. It's very much an interactive um, experience, or at least we hope. Uh, and we're planning on doing um, a Q&A with, with Chris today. So, so the format's going to be um, some slides, and Chris is going to uh, give us an overview um, about the IoT in, in smart buildings and, and, and give us a bit of a perspective from, from where Tridium are coming from. Uh, and then um, we're going to open it up to, to questions. So I would very much like um, any questions from, from, from you guys from the floor. Um, the way that we handle those, if you, if you type them in, then I will get them here and I, I'm sort of acting as moderator and I will uh, I'll let Chris have those questions. Or indeed, if you have any for me as well, uh, please type them in. Um, so without further ado, let's, um, let's get started. So, um, yeah, I, I guess, Chris, it would be good as well just to introduce yourself okay. and, and a bit about Tridium. Okay. Thank you. Thank you, Jim. Um, I've been with uh, Tridium some while, uh, went away, came back again, I'm business development director, and very involved because we are offering middleware for building management and energy management and all, all that around that. We've become very involved in the IoT, and we're connected with all sorts of businesses that are coming into this space, uh, particularly the IT companies and so on. Uh, so I'd like to talk to you just briefly this afternoon about the Internet of Things and what is it, uh, because it's such a broad term. Uh, it's used in the media and now in the technology journals and so on, and I think there's a problem with you know us understanding what it actually means, what, 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 in, what does it actually uh, com comprise of because it's a bit of an umbrella term. So if we go back uh, to 1999, that was the first reference, first reference to the Internet of Things uh, by a guy called Kevin Ashton. And you can look, up, look it up on Wikipedia. And he defined it as work of physical objects, devices, vehicles, buildings, and other items embedded with electronics, software, sensors, and network connectivity that enables these objects to collect and exchange data. So, I mean, in this definition, and, and I say you can refer to that on Wikipedia, uh, there's the concept of, of network connectivity, which back in 1999, you know, people were used to local networks, uh, but not so much cloud uh, at that time. I think we would call it connecting edge devices to the cloud now. Uh, you know, things that are out there on site, small devices, sensors, data collectors of one sort or another, and now we think a lot about the cloud and software applications running up there on hosted servers. And in the building context, of course, these sensors are things like temperature, light level, pressure, um, all sorts of, and, and plant status and so on. Uh, and at, at the moment, the paradigm is that these buildings are managed with BMS systems and various other systems, and they're not managed from the cloud, uh, but increasingly, the view of many people is that there would be more and more services delivered from the cloud. It's an interesting debate as to how far that will go and how much will stay at the enterprise level or on the site level and how much will go to the cloud. 
So in a building context, because of constraints of uh, technology, things like battery life on small sensors, how often they can transmit, how practical it is with firewalls and, and um, concrete and steel structures and so on to get wireless sensors talking out of the building, I think there's still going to be uh, a use for some sort of gateway device or to data collection concentrator type node. Even if everything was managed from the cloud in terms of logic and visualization, you would still need something level. Uh, so, And then there's an argument that says, well, we don't want to be dependent on the cloud because it might, you know, comms, the internet goes down, we've still got to run our building, so maybe the logic and, and management of the building will stay on site, but with, with services provided from the cloud to complement that. So it's all up for grabs, we don't really know, uh, but it's an interesting uh, way that things are developing. Uh, in the real world, um, we're all talking about retrofitting such IoT technology to our lives and to our buildings, uh, so this is not going to be done with lots and lots of cables and wiring because uh, we need wireless technology to help us. Uh, so I think the Internet of Things includes a dimension of wireless. Uh, and it's the cost reduction on that and the reliability improvements that we've seen in the last few years that are, are making a lot of what's going on at the moment possible. Uh, I think my, for myself, I would like to add another dimension to us, a conversation about the IoT, and that's the idea of analytics, because we're collecting all this data back from the cloud. In fact, even in existing building management systems, uh, lots of data is being archived to hard drives, and but it's not actually very much. It's sat there, locked away in many cases, and just not doing very much for the business in terms of delivering benefit. But with analytics, we can unlock a lot of that potential uh, by virtue of being able to, in a more intelligent and smart way, analyze the data, look for trends, exceptions, and other things that are going wrong or could be improved. And then moving on, another aspect of the IoT, it's not just about collecting data, it's not just about data, it's also about control. Uh, because one of the reasons you want to collect data is so you can impact uh, on the environment to, to improve comfort, to improve energy efficiency, and that implies a control action of some sort. So again, referring back to Wikipedia, uh, just to quote something, when IoT is augmented with sensors and actuators, the technology becomes an instance of the more general class of cyber-physical systems, which also encompass technologies such as smart grids, smart homes, intelligent transportation, and smart cities. So this is all about achieving smarter management of our buildings and our environments and, and all sorts of other aspects of our lives, because you could broaden it out to uh, transportation, automotive technologies, and so on. But we're particularly looking at, at what the impact in, in smart buildings. So I've already said that collecting data from things results in lots of data. I mean, it's a wave of data, a tsunami of data. And that's why we've got the term big data. Uh, which is used as a way of differentiating it from ordinary data, but really it just means we've got a lot of it. And then analytics is what we term, how do we find the needle in the haystack, that nugget of insight and useful information that we can drag out of this, this sea of data. So why does IoT matter so much? Um, I think 
In the past, uh, as those of you who've been around a long time will know, uh, most devices in buildings were controlling locally. They were just operating standalone. And indeed, now in many buildings, that's still the case. If there was any networking, it was quite local and it was very proprietary, specific to manufacturers. And even building management systems now are, are quite you know, just dealing with the HVAC system on the whole. So you end up with multiple islands of intelligence. You've got uh, maybe a lighting control system, a building management system, a UPS, uh, a standby generator, and all sorts of other systems, access control systems, security, all separate. And they're not really linked up. And more importantly, then that data is not being used to, to cross-fertilize or cross-inform those, those systems with one another. And they're managed at the uh, on-site, or they're perhaps managed at enterprise level, but they're largely not managed from the cloud yet. So that's where we were, where we have been. Uh, but in the future, where are we going? Well, with the IoT, I think we're going to be in a different world where all the data from coming from the building is, is integrated. A lot of the new IoT players are talking about, well, it doesn't matter where, what system it is, we're just putting in smart devices, and they'll all talk to each other, and it'll all be wonderful. Well, some of the new players are perhaps being a little naive at what the challenges are to achieve that, but I think ultimately that is where, we, where the IoT is taking us, that, that we have to overcome the challenges of protocol compatibility and the like, but it is about sharing data and making the most of the data that's there. And that leads to improved functionality, improves to imp improved efficiency, and better buildings. So we, you know, certainly from my perspective, working with Intridium, we are very much on saying we need, we need smarter buildings. We need to go down this path of integrating and connecting things together and, and embracing the, the, uh, the challenges that, that that involves. And I think the sharing of data is not just within the building. It's also between enterprises even, uh, because once you look at building performance in a much more intelligent, smarter way using analytics, then there's the much better opportunities to do benchmarking, establish best practice, uh, and, and learn from one another. And I think we'll see an absolute burgeoning of, of uh, cloud services provision, which is already beginning to happen. So, but we're going to see much more of that. We're there yet. Uh, we're in something of a transition. Uh, as I've mentioned, um, as of today, I think it's fair to say most buildings aren't integrated. Uh, the data is still siloed, and, and that limits the functionality in the building. And there's very little linkage of data to from building services through to business databases. And there's not a lot of deployment of analytics uh, as it relates to building data. They might be used on the business side, but not so much on the buildings. And there's also not even much real-time data linkage into facilities management applications and software, which for the maintenance side of the things. So there's a, a lot of ways in which things could be improved, even in the short term. But of course, these all involve effort and uh, overcoming the challenges of compatibility of data and how do we, how do we join things up. And what data are we talking about? Uh, I mean, I'm being quite abstract so far. So let me just list some of the stuff that, that's in a, any typical building. I mean, most of you will know there's the HVAC. Power management, standby generators, UPS, leak detection, visitor management, lifts, CCTV, Security access systems, public address, fire detection, smoke dampers, signage, car parking, irrigation. You know, the list goes on. There are so many systems, if you think, start thinking about it, in bigger buildings particularly. So 
just to bring things to uh, a close on the introductory side, how do we get from where we where we are now to this future that I've I've mapped out? Um, first of all, I think there's some practical steps. You, you've got to take an audit of where you are. So you've got to look at what you've got, uh, all your installed systems. Uh, earlier on today, uh, I was in a meeting with with a local authority, uh, having a, a discussion about. What, what they were doing with energy management with their sustainability team and 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 they're saying to themselves as we're talking well yeah we really need to do a, a, a sit down and audit all our systems because they've got all sorts of BMS systems all sorts of states and conditions not all communicating multiple front ends they've just got to work out where they are this is particularly a problem I think with very large sites or site organizations and then identify where all the real-time data is what you've got and what static data is available and how you might look at joining that up uh, to, 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 uh, to gain something from it. You could need to identify uh, your pain points, you know, what, what's causing you trouble, what, what you do you need to change now, you know, is it the submetering that's an issue, is it the fact you haven't got good control, what are the problem points? And then also on the other side, you know, let's not let's work out what's really hard, difficult, and time-consuming and say, well, maybe we'll park that for now and try and take some of the lower-hanging fruit to start with and come back to that. But sort of set a, create a set of priorities in terms of what can be done now and what can be done a little way down the road. And then identify what additional data could help solve some of the pain points. If you haven't got enough sensors in your building because it's just too big, basic a control and you don't know what's going on in terms of occupancy patterns or the light level conditions or the temperatures, there aren't enough sensors, then maybe there's a case for installing some new wireless sensors and, and to augment what's there already. And then, of course, there's the need to identify what benefit you're going to gain from, from some of the sharing of data and linking up of systems. There's no point doing it for the sake of it. It's got to deliver a benefit to the business or the organization. So I think creating a use case is the way we would term it. Um, to identify what your problem you're trying to solve and what, how you would do it technically. So to give you a really easy one, and it has been done in, in quite a lot of buildings, but by, you know, I'm sure quite the minority still, is if you've got a lighting system with occupancy detection on it, so you're, you're triggering light levels and, and uh, lighting coming on and off based on the occupancy, then you, will, you could use that information back in the BMS or indeed for some of your energy management scheduling. Uh, so there's, to, and applying analytics to that, you could also then perhaps use it for space utilization to improve or understand better what, where there are hotspots in the building, congestion or, or empty spaces that are getting underused. So uh, that data, if it, once it comes out of the silo of the lighting control system, can be much more valuable and used in other ways. And obviously I've talked about analytics in, as, as a technology, as a software a technique to use algorithms to um, distill human reasoning into rules that you can run 24-7. But you've got to look at the actual tools that are available to you. Now there's a whole plethora of business tools uh, on analytics uh, that are used to, to crunch the business data. Uh, uh, and it's been done for a long time. But what's different about the building analytics is that we've got a much more complex set of real-time data and the need is for more complex rules engine. And there's only a few play companies playing in this space so far. Uh, Tridium's one of them, but there's also Sky, uh, Sky Foundry with their SkySpark product, and there's some others as well. 
Uh, and you need to review what's available and look at what would be best for you and in your particular application. Uh, build a business case for implementing the real-time data integration and analytics so that you can address that particular use case. You're going to have to demonstrate a, an ROI if you're going to get any budget. So obviously that's the, the step that you've been working up to by collecting this information, working out your pain points, what you're going to do. And those are the steps uh, we would suggest would help you uh, to, uh, to get towards some of uh, using this sort of IoT approach and thinking about how you can make your building smarter. And what's the, uh, just as closing remarks, what's, what's the output of this? What do you gain from this? Well, the, you know, I put it up there as a slide. You gain energy optimization, reduced utility costs, carbon taxes, greener credentials, and then improve maintenance. One of the advantages of the uh, Tridium's approach to analytics is we can do it down at network level, on, near the edge, as it were. Don't have to send it all up to the cloud. And so you can do fault diagnostics and identify when valves are stuck and letting by or uh, dampers aren't working or, or there's other, other problems, equipment's faulty in some way. You can identify and diagnose that and then perhaps automatically feed it through to the FM package and generate works orders in a much more efficient way than happens at the moment. So also you can get into predictive maintenance and then that, that reduces the, the call uh, the regular maintenance charges, if, which is at the moment largely activity-based, uh, and you can potentially get longer equipment life cycles and so on. So there's lots of opportunities on the maintenance side, and uh, but I think even bigger numbers can be had from better space utilization and working out where the building, how the building can be used more effectively. And I know there are several, well, quite a few companies now beginning to offer solutions where they're offering wireless sensors that you mount under every desk and in the meeting rooms and these enable much better hot desking uh, optimization of space because you can identify which desks are being used, which areas people are choosing to go to, uh, and, and indeed booking the, the hot desks um, to know what the availability is, and those sort of things. And that's leading to a much more need for integration between the building services and the, and the business systems, which up to now have been largely separate. And then finally, improved asset management. Uh, you know, we, we all want to optimize and sweat the assets and that's IOT offers the promise that that may be possible in a better way. So I think it's probably a good idea that I stop talking and and open it up for questions. Thanks very much Chris. Yeah absolutely. Um, we've got a couple of questions lined up already and I'll come to those. You covered a lot of ground there um, and I, I've for one have certainly picked out um, some things I'd like to, to, to drill into and we'll, we'll come to that. Um, but obviously, uh, we'll, we'll take the questions from the floor first. Um, someone asking here about um, the role of physical solu uh, security solution providers uh, and what their role is in the IoT. Um, can you talk to talk about that, Chris? How, how do you see physical security being part of IoT in buildings? Okay. Well, I mean, I, I think. Uh, by physical security, I presume you mean the the, the, lock, the door locks and, and the uh, protection of the perimeter yeah. of the building and so on. Um, I, I think that well, I, we we see that being transformed. Acer Abloy, uh, as one of the major world, if not the leading world manufacturer of locks, is very much embracing IoT in the sense of creating smart door locks, which uh, can be unlocked with with a smartphone or uh, with or remotely uh, and. Uh, not needing to have keys anymore potentially or I mean they also offer a hybrid solutions where you have the key but you also have additional security by virtue of some digital device uh, and 
I see that, that applying both in upgrading physical security. So like, like we have with our iPhones now, two-factor authentication, and you have to put in a code, a code you have, a code they have, and you get given. Uh, the same idea with locks um, to upgrade it in high security applications, but also just getting better data uh, of, of what's going on in the building. Uh, obviously with intruder systems, they, they're another siloed island of intelligence because you've got occupants, as occupants PIR sensors as we generally call them, but optimized for intruder detection. Uh, I think there's going to be an increasing merging of those sensors and that data becoming available to others. There's also uh, companies working on using basic video camera technology, not in a, you know, to recognize uh, or have photographic display of that, but just using analytics on the images to do facial recognition or um, people counting just through the video camera uh, instead of using PIRs. So there's, there's a whole load of new ideas coming out because of the ability to do more digital signal processing and analytics. And I, th I think that's what's happening with the IoT is the this is really another, yet another application of computing power to, to our world. And, and, it, and what it's doing is enabling analytics, which enable much more sophisticated sensing. Uh, and that will impact on, on the detection of security systems and their capabilities. But, and if you're talking about the physical side, the, the, the ability to remotely manage and audit and, and fault detect and, and so on, on things that were otherwise just mechanical devices. Right, yeah, and so tied into what you were talking about, the sharing of information across different systems, right? So being able to take the information, let's say, from an access control reader and then be able to use that, um, that information about occupancy uh, in, different, in other systems. Yeah, I mean, just by way of information, because uh, we've we've been involved, or I've been involved personally with with trying to link up to security systems for for quite a few years, because that's one of the things people sometimes do uh, with with Niagara te uh, Niagara Framework technology. Uh, but it's not so easy, or hasn't been so easy. But it ha it is getting better. The difference is that in the HVAC world, there's been a degree of standardization and opening of protocols. So you've got BACnet, you've got Longworks, you've got Modbus, you've got open standards that that you know, most systems are now using or can at least talk, even if they've got their own proprietary protocols still as well. So they, everything can talk to each other much more easily. You still need support for multiple protocols. You can't have everything on one, but at least you can make everything talk together much easier than it used to be. But in the security world, precisely because it's about security, there's been a reluctance to go down any kind of open standards route. And although there are some initiatives, there's one called Onviv and another PSIA on the, on the camera and video side, and I think there's a subcommittee on 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 to, or PSIA, but to do with uh, intrusion. And there's the SIA panel standard as well for intruder panels. But the, the the there is much less standardization. So fundamentally, at the moment, the status quo is that every security access control system is different and has its own protocol. And you then got to work out how you're going to talk to it. And there are varying degrees of gatewaying out of that with some standard option. Uh, so it's it's not easy to do that data exchange at the moment with a lot of the systems, which is why Tridium came out with its own, or sort of a, a, one application of Niagara was to be a security system. So we have an access control system that version of it, if you like, which is pre-configured to just do door control. Uh, but it, it's um, uh, we also equally interface to the likes of, of ProWatch and, and other systems. Okay. So uh, we've got quite a few questions come in now. 
Uh, let me try and get through some of these as quickly as I can. Sorry to you guys out there if um, you're not getting uh, an answer straight away, but we'll definitely get through all of them. We've got plenty of time. Uh, someone's asking here, um, are there companies currently doing uh, integrated analytics? And I think he's referring to you know what you were talking about in terms of um, analytics and how that ties into um, big data. Okay. Um, yeah, I think um, th the answer to that is uh, I only have partial knowledge here. I'm not. You know, no one can know everything. But uh, Sky, Spa Sky Foundry were were a pioneer in the building space. I think it's fair to say. Um, as it happens, they're the guys who started off Tridium originally, who, who developed this product called SkySpark, and, and it's usually used with Niagara, in, in certainly in the North American market, but it doesn't have to be. Chris, for um, those that don't know what Niagara is. Oh, okay, sorry. The Niagara framework is middleware for integrating, managing, and controlling buildings. Uh, it's, it's used by companies all over the world uh, to... Uh, do building automation, but it, it's special. Its particular di uh, differentiations are that it supports multiple protocols and all the open standards, and is has embedded web serving and is it supports the latest web services and is basically state of the art in building automation, uh, and is is used all over the world. It's about half a million instances licensed currently. Okay. The, the, the GuySpark, anyway, was I was saying was is an application that pioneered the use of analytics in the building space and uh, and partly because uh, we recognize the same trend as as they had uh, tridium has also come out with an analytics product we call niagara analytics framework um, and that augment is a, a sort of extra plug-in module to niagara and has the merit that it's using the same engineering tools and the same approach function block configuration to make analytics easier uh, to to deploy um, there isn't a lot of it in Europe yet because it's very new. We only launched it really this year, earlier this year, and it only just this week, in fact, went onto Niagara 4, which is our latest generation technology uh, or version of Niagara. But there are other companies who've been doing it in the cloud. I need to be fair to, to say others have been doing it up at cloud level as part of energy management applications, and, and there's various people who claim to have analytics, but I think we have to drill into what you mean by it. For me, it's a multifunctional Rule, rules or machine learning logic engine uh, that that lets you diagnose problems using lots of different real-time and combining, if necessary, static data to then do automatic control actions, not just dashboarding, not just being able to add things together or, or make averages and so on. But uh, but in the business use, a lot of people seem to use it more like say, oh, I've got a, I've got a dashboard. It's analytics dashboard, um, whereas it's more there is that visualization of the data in a smarter way, but it's more about the the uh, process of being able to say, look, if something happens, like for example, uh, I've got a maximum demand alarm in in the in the in the BMS world or a metering world. If you you set a threshold alarm and you have it says I've gone over this maximum demand limit, ah, uh, and that's all it tells you. I've gone over a certain threshold. But with analytics, you can apply a set of rules and or algorithms, as we call them, to to the, the data around that in the space. So when that alarm happens, you or even before it happens, perhaps you've you've collected information about well, how long has that alarm happened? How how many times has that happened in the last six months? How long did that alarm happen for, on average? What was going on in the building at the same time? What plant was it 
was operating, what was the weather like outside, what were the occupancy patterns in the building, that would make sense of that alarm. So what you're getting is the context because you're able to look at other data points because you've programmed it in to say, well, if, if I get that kind of alarm, I know I need to look at this. So it requires domain knowledge, it requires a skill, skilled person to set up the rules, but once they're in there, they're in the software, they can be run on the data 24-7. So what you're doing with analytics is multiplying expertise as it applies to buildings. And we all know there's a shortage of expertise in buildings and energy management and so on. So being able to automate that, those processes to some degree, even at least, is, is a fantastic advantage once we all get our heads around how we use that and, and, and the, the market and the suppliers and the integrators and people who are deploying systems in buildings, because Tridium doesn't do any of that, we just supply, supply the technology. Once our partner channel and other people uh, who are using other tools get up to speed with it, and I know SkySpark have been through this, or Sky Foundry, sorry, have been through this process too, trying to educate the market as to what you can do with this stuff, uh, because it, it's not common knowledge yet. Yeah, and I think you, 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 make a, you make a good point there about the difference between, let's say, dashboarding and visualization and analytics. Um, and I think uh, it's important the industry understands, understands the difference. Got a, a question here. Uh, we've, got, we've got a few, um, but this one's sort of um, specific and related to BMS. Uh, he says, I'm having a hard time um, understanding how IoT can help us connect sensors when we already connect all building sensors wired or wireless. Can you give me an example of one sensor or system that IoT can help us connect to use uh, in the BMS that we can't connect now? Okay, yeah, I think that's a good question because I think this is one of the problems with the IoT is, is, is what's new about it. Because I mean, my reaction to the IoT has been, well, we've been doing this for years. You know, we've been connecting sensors by wires to, a, to our embedded controller platform, the JSON, and then we've been getting it up through the enterprise to the cloud. Uh, you know, so what's new about IoT? But the reason we, as a company, embracing the terminology of IoT is that that paradigm is now becoming much more mainstream and, and, and people sort of understanding that you can do more in the cloud in particular. But you're right, I think a lot of sensors will still remain wired to a controller of some sort or to, as I mentioned, a sort of gateway type thing before it, it's connected up to IP into the cloud. Uh, what I would say, though, is that what's new is because of the falling cost of wireless technology and its increasing reliability and this focus on, because of smart software, it's made it simpler to deploy. For example, I visited a business recently in Sweden uh, and they have uh, they claim they claim to have installed a thousand sensors in a building with a team of eight people in two hours. Now that's quite impressive and what they were doing is basically sticking them on the walls, sticking them under the desks and these were sensors which were monitoring temperature, light level, occupancy status and a few other things, humidity, and because they're, ba they're battery powered and they're, what they were doing was they were able to do that not only because they, they're very low cost devices, which previously would have been prohibitively expensive, but also they've got almost zero configuration or they've made it, they've automated the configuration so that these things can connect up to their cloud service via a gateway device. Uh, 
almost automatically. Now, the reason I was having the conversation is because they've realized they've only got some of the information, and actually they need to know the plant status and what's going, you know, what the control system's doing to augment all this sensor data they've now got flowing up to the cloud. And so we were talking about how our multi-protocol support would help them by, and if we ran our Niagara software on the site as well, we could interface the BMS, and then that would get that data up to the cloud as well, and then they've got a much better picture, got a fuller picture of what's going on. So I think the the, the my answer is that some of the IoT technologies, I mean, that we're more familiar with in the home context, where people, I mean, I've got in my own home, I've got a little Netatmo weather station, you know, which is just battery powered, or well, part of it plugs in, but part of it's battery powered, sits sits there and gives me alarm every time my CO2 levels go up too high because I've got the log fire burning or too much. No, the windows aren't open, or and I've got other. We've got we've all probably got various wireless devices in our homes now telling us things, and some of them look a lot of them. I mean, Hive would be another one, although it's not wireless. Well, partly wireless. Uh, you know, connecting central heating systems up to the cloud, and then you access it through your smartphone. Um, these are all sort of new generation, uh, but I don't think it means that the BMS system goes away. It just means it kind of morphs into something else that's a mixture of devices connected directly to the cloud where that makes sense. For example, waste bins outside. You may want to monitor what's going on with the waste bins out in the backyard, but they might just have devices that it's they're very low data rates using Sigfox or LoRa, which is some of the new, new generation wireless technologies that can connect at much lower cost than 2G. And therefore, you would, might go straight to the cloud with that, but you only need an update once every three, four hours on what status that bin is. Uh, so, so some devices will go to the cloud, others will go through the automation system. But the main thing I think IoT is about is is the internet. You know, the internet was all about connecting the world and connecting people, and the Internet of Things is about connecting uh, things, whatever they are, devices, uh, smart devices, inevitably. Or, or dumb ones via something else that makes them smart, like a BMS, and then using that data for something useful. Because it's what you do with the data that's what matters. Just having IoT in, in abstract doesn't do anything for anyone, I don't think. Yeah, absolutely. There's a couple of Tridium-specific uh, questions here for you. Um, how does Tridium, Tridium solution compare to solutions from IT vendors like Intel with their BMS solution or Cisco's digital ceiling? Oh, great, great solution. Yeah, great question. Um, the, well, we, we went, because Tridium is at the heart of IoT and buildings, um, we have become a natural partner for these companies that are coming into the IoT space. So we have a partnership with Dell, and they have a new range of gateway products. Uh, at the moment, their product's called an IoT Gateway 5000, and that is we're currently porting Niagara onto that. So it can be run now already using Windows as the operating system, but we're going to port Niagara onto it properly so you can use the serial ports that it has to connect to legacy things like metering systems and so on. Um, so we've got a global partnership with them. We've got a global partnership with IBM who are using us to or, or see us as a way of getting data into their Watson artificial intelligence, um, working with them on a lot of projects. Uh, we're also working with Cisco in the US. Uh, we have um, a partnership with them, a very big contract with AT&T, I think, um, thousands of buildings, and porting, again, porting Niagara onto their, their routers, or routers, as I think they call them. And for the digital ceiling specifically, that's a conversation we're due to have, um, because they're, they're Cisco, since the early this year, working on a, 
a standard called CoAP, which they want to build a lighting-specific application layer on top of CoAP, which is a lightweight messaging protocol like MQTT, for those who are in the know on that, which is the IBM one, uh, or the one that originated from IBM. It's open standard. But uh, we're, we're supporting MQTT. We're also going, uh, looking at supporting CoAP. But the issue is what you put on top of it, because it, it, it's the defining the application layer that, that makes it more interoperable. And Cisco certainly are having this vision that you can get data uh, all, from all the different systems uh, and, and uh, mash it up together and, and use it for, for delivering a smarter building. And, and a lot of people are seeing, and I think I agree with them to some extent, seeing the, the lighting system as becoming more significant in the future because it's now intelligent. And particularly if the PoE uh, lighting revolution takes off, we've had the LED lighting revolution, but now we've got this uh, option of, of um, powering the lights over the Ethernet cables because they can support up to 60 watts of power, and that's enough for most luminaires in standard applications. And then you can have I, you've got IP in the ceiling all over the way pervasively. Uh, that might, in some situations, become dominant over the BMS. So you know, it's the whole. It, it upsets lots of things, and and in a very exciting way. Uh, uh, the common thread is that you need to resolve all these challenges of how do you get stuff talking to each other because they're all using different standards. What I'm absolutely sure about is there isn't going to be one single standard for everything. That might be where we'd love to go, but I, you know, there's too many commercial interests and different domains of knowledge and different optimizations for that to be a reality anytime soon. Yeah, I mean, my sense is that some of the bigger IT companies seem to be, they'll back everything. and. There is this process at the moment where it's a feeling out. No one's really sure if one protocol or one solution is, is in inverted commas, going to win as opposed to any others. Well, I mean, look, you know, you just got to look at what's happened in the past. I mean, you know, in, in BMS, we had the, the KNX, Lonworks, um, BACnet, uh, you know, debate and the, well, the bus wars, as they used to be called in the 90s. <laughs> and what have we ended up with? Well, we've got KNX, Lonworks and BACnet. I mean, you know, they ebb and flow or, or you know, some have risen and some have fallen, but, but, you know, they're all there. And likewise, in the wireless domain, I mean, it's quite crowded. You know, you've got Z-Wave or Z-Wave, as the Americans call it, we've got... Mm. Um, we've got Zigbee, of course, but I mean, most Zigbee devices are not interoperable because they've got so many different standards and they, they develop the chipsets and so on before they define the application layer enough. So the horse bolted and all the manufacturers produce products and, and systems and, and the result that it's quite a challenge to get interoperable Zigbee devices. Uh, and then you've got others, there's Coronis Waveness and there's, uh, um, and you've got Enocean and then you've got wireless KNX, you've got wireless MBUS, uh, you know, just to start mentioning the list. And then there's some, some other standards in Eastern Europe, and then there's and then there's a whole generation of alternatives to 2G wireless coming out, as I mentioned, which, because 2G, of course, you know, or 3G or 4, was always designed, well, originally designed for voice communications. It wasn't designed for data at all, and they have completely different characteristics. So using 2G for, for metering is a very suboptimal solution. So something that's much lower power and much more reliable and uh, doesn't require handshaking, which is a key issue in wireless, is, is how you register devices on the network. Um, so companies like Sigfox are, are taking a different approach. So it's very low data rates, doesn't require any handshaking, everything's got a, register, a serial number, basically you turn it on and, and, and it's recognized by, the, by the, the receiver anywhere in the world. And, and that, that type of technology works for some things, but not for high-intensity applications where you want data more frequently or you need to do control actions very frequently. 
You mentioned there some of the, the wireless protocols, and it kind of ties into a question we, that came up here. Um, how do you see the home, uh, and we're talking here obviously about the commercial market, and I know, um, the tr you know Tridium is focused on that. H how do you see the, the home market, the smart home market, um, impacting on some of the communication protocols, but also, you know, the, the industrial market in general. Um, do you think there is some innovation coming from that space? Well, I, I think you're right to say that Tridium is mainly focused on commercial, but my specific job is to um, develop business into markets beyond building uh, automation. And, the, and we are involved in industrial, uh, and we are involved in renewables, and we're involved in lighting and, and other sectors beyond that. We're not I mean, some of our partners have taken us into high-end homes because they're treated more like commercial jobs. But you're right; that's mm. not one we target. I think the uh, I think that that what's going on in the home is very interesting, but it's a different paradigm. <coughs> Excuse me, because in the home you've got a problem, a different problem, which is that everyone does DIY maintenance. You don't have a maintenance contract typically on your house for looking after your central heating controls when you want to change the settings or whatever. Whereas most commercial BMS systems do have a maintenance contract because they're bigger and more complex. But actually, the integration challenges in the home are just as bad as, as in commercial because you've still got to match up the protocols. You've still got a di different suppliers cooperating together. You've got to agree profiles. And even just agreeing what on and off mean is quite a challenge in protocol terms because you can do it in lots of different ways and it can mean different things. So definitions are really, really important. Uh, I think the, the, the new initiatives like Thread and, and the um, Nest Compatible and Home, Apple HomeKit and so on are all attempts by the major players to, to establish some, a beachhead and, and, and hopefully you know, dominate the market. But I don't, the evidence to date is that it's still quite fragmented. It's still quite challenging to see how that's all going to pan out. Uh, some good work is being done. I think the, the people who are building on existing standards and developing them on have probably got a better approach than trying to invent something completely new. Uh, and I think the, the I don't see, I, I don't think I'm qualified to comment about how much innovation is coming from industrial. I see, I see innovation going the other way. I see us using our analytics technology in, in quality management applications in, in industry. Um, but I, I guess there must be some coming the other way, but I'm, I'm not expert in that. Mm, okay. There's another Tridium question here. Um, there seems to be a trend to move from controllers like Jace to more algorithm-driven actuators using the Internet of Things. Um, isn't Tridium framework more controller-aligned? Um, hmm. um, I would, well, not with the analytics dimension to it. I, I think the... Uh, it depends what you mean by control. I mean, control is the activity of of actuating something, be it a switch or some analog device that is, is moving in the real world or, or controlling something in the real world. How you do that, whether you do that with heart, sort of just A, B, C, D, E logic or whether you use a complex algorithm, we can do it either way. Mm. Uh, and and the, the analytics product is... Is, a, is in a way a development of our original control logic. It's just that it's doing a higher level of complexity uh, on top. I mean, if all you've got is one PID loop, then you don't really need 
any algorithms and analytics to do that. But if you've got a more complex control problem, and in some applications, did you say valves specifically? What you were talking about, or was it? Just you generally? mentioned actu actuators in that question. Yeah. Actuators, yes. Yeah, I mean there are some uh, water uh, management situations. So you're much more in analytics territory, where, you, or, or alternatively, you've just got a hell of a lot of control components if you do it with conventional logic. Uh, but I think, no, I don't think it's fair to say that we can't, well, we're biased to one or the other. I think we would go with whatever the integrator wanted to deploy. Uh, the technology can deliver the answer. Uh, it's just a matter of how you use it. Okay. Uh, there's a question here about analytics. Uh, there are a few companies now offering analytics as a service, or as he's put in commas, uh, cloud-based analytics. Does yeah. this have any advantage over conventional systems? Um, yes and no. Um, I think yes, but in the sense that in the cloud you've got infinite, effectively infinite computing resources. I mean, take you know, take Watson for example. You know, Watson AI is a heavy piece of software which which I'm sure requires quite a lot of computing power, and and it you know, and it's a world class and artificial intelligence. You know, it can beat the world chess champion and so on. Uh, or, or probably Go champion, whatever it is they've done, but so you've got potentially the ability to apply much more computing power to your problem, but then no, because actually most of the problems we're trying to solve are not that complicated, so you don't need to go to the cloud. As I mentioned earlier, you can do fault diagnostic on things like faulty valves or dampers down at edge level. Um, and I mean Niagara can run on a Raspberry Pi, which costs eight dollars. So you know. Not that we we don't sell it that way, obviously, but and, and Niagara license would cost something. But but you, you're what I'm saying is it's not it's not necessary to take data up to the cloud to do analytics. I mean, there, I mentioned earlier that there's this Israeli company doing video analytics in the in the video in the camera sensor to to deliver the occupancy data, and this is not an expensive device. It's just that they're the chips are so cheap now you can do serious amounts of pro data processing down at, at local level. Um, so I, I would say that there, well, it's it's horses for courses. If you're only interested in 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 analytics to do with the area that you're of a building, then you can do it locally. But if you want to benchmark across all your sites and you want to do some smart analytics to detect trends, I mean, take a retail store for example that that has policy changes on which split air conditioning units which manufacturers they use, and they. They want to analyze whether Toshiba or Daikin or Mitsubishi uh, are more efficient and more reliable. You've got a lot of data to collect from maybe a thousand stores if it's a big chain. And if you if you can collect that data and correlate that data with, with which systems are in which stores, and then look at what comfort conditions were achieved, what energy efficiency was achieved, how many call-outs there were, how many failures and downtimes, you could then do some you could then make a procurement decision as to which would be the better manufacturer to go with going forward. Now that's what I referred to in improved asset management and procurement in my last point. That that that, that that's a sophisticated piece of analytics which you could only do at the cloud or at least enterprise level. Yeah. And the cloud is is you know whether it's just when when whether people are bothering to now have their own data center and their own enterprise level IT team, or whether they're just taking it up to cloud services. I mean, that's the differential. And also, how suppliers 
the, the other big difference, you talk about cloud service, there's no upfront cost, there's no deployment, there's no license for the software upfront, you're just paying per month, it's pay as you go. I think that's that's the business model change between what's gone on before, because I mean even now Niagara is a, is a license, you buy it, you, you, you okay you pay a small maintenance charge per year to, to keep it up to date, but basically you've bought it and that's it. Whereas with the in the future, I think you will see control systems, BMS systems, management systems, as with now already energy management software, being charged out on a monthly fee basis. And I think that's much very attractive to people because it's an OPEX issue, not a CAPEX budget requirement and so on. And I think that's where the cloud changes things because you can do that when yeah. you've sorted out the security issues of security of data, reliability, and, and uh, I mean, it's different software design. Niagara is putting a lot of energy. We, we've recruited Trillium, sorry, I've got, recruited a lot of people this year and will be again next year into cloud and edge, but cloud into to go up to the mm -hmm. cloud so that you can buy Niagara as a service. Yeah, I think that's a great, um, uh, you know, you can a great example there of where the cloud's useful because there, there was a follow-up question here about why the cloud and someone was saying that they prefer to have all the data on site, but that's fine if you're dealing with, and, 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 and he, he makes the point that um, you, he may only use the cloud for redundancy, but if, you're, if that's okay for one building, but it might not be the right solution for a whole um, uh, you know, portfolio of buildings. Well, I, absolutely. I think this is a very big dilemma for the industry and for, and for organizations. And there's a lot of fear and paranoia, understandably, because of all the hacking scandals and so on that have been. And there's, it's justifiable and important that people do give really strong consideration before they just put stuff up in the cloud to make sure they've got the right security models and pr protections. Um, and that's one of the reasons Tridium spent a lot of money and effort time recently upgrading our cybersecurity provisions. So now we have encrypted comms between instances. So if you've got Niagara on site and Niagara at head office, the comms link is, is 2048 being encrypted. Uh, and then there's authentication. If you if you hacked into our software on site, it's all digitally signed modules so they couldn't run anything else. Even the data at rest is encrypted in the software. You know, there's that but cybersecurity is a multi-layer issue. There's no one silver bullet that solves it. You have to be rigorous about making sure all the doors are shut, as it were, or you, and you've got layers of protection to ensure that you're not, I mean, we'd always recommend people are running VPN connections, for example, with or without, you know, it's better to have encrypted comms on a VPN, so if someone gets in the VPN, they still can't get at you, but, you know, at least a VPN means you're not on the open internet, and it's surprising how many, and there's a website, I can't remember the name of it, Showdown or something, that, that lets you see exposed mm -hmm. sites, and people still yes, using right. default passwords and things like that, this is just a, not a good plan, so I think uh, but uh, particularly some sectors, uh, banks, for example, are understandably more paranoid about it, and also um, uh, data centers, another one where we, we were very involved in a lot of data center projects, and, you know, they, they like to keep the data on site. They don't want ex external sending it out anywhere. And, of course, there, if it does go out, I mean, well, you say building data, what does it matter? Well, actually, it tells people a lot about, even at industrial espionage level, it's quite useful sometimes to know what's going on in a building. So I, I think there's... There's lots of reasons why people need to be cautious about the cloud. But having said that, these problems and challenges are being solved. And cloud services, I mean, that's the reason even the cloud-hosted IT solutions are now available, is because they have solved the security problems. They can enable people to off offshore their data centers up to the cloud. You know, I mean, again, referring back to this local authority, they said, oh, well, our, our data center, well, I said, you haven't got a data center, have you? And they said, no, it's all up in Birmingham. You know, so that, and 
they're, they're not anywhere near Birmingham. So, so they've they've done it to the cloud, you know, and and that's what organisations are doing. Absolutely, it's a huge, obviously, a huge trend in enterprise, and it's it's coming to uh, to building software as well. Mm-hmm. What? Uh, so one uh, pretty good question here, um, and we've got about uh, nine minutes left, guys. So if there's any, uh, if you did have something you wanted to ask Chris, then uh, now's the time. Uh, what new skills will systems integrators need to have to remain competent in the age of IoT? Oh, I love that question. Um, <laughs> the answer is actually probably quite a lot more um, because. We, the irony is that to make it simpler to deploy, and it, 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 things are getting more complex. Um, no, I, I'm not saying that very well. The world, this whole area is getting a lot more complex. Eventually, it will get, hopefully, get simpler as it matures. But in the meantime, uh, there are, there's a lot more dimensions to it. If you move beyond HVAC and systems integrators, have been called that in HVAC for quite a while, and yet I'm not sure what the percentage is, but probably a minority are, are truly integrating in the sense that they're working with multiple systems on one project and making them all talk together and so on. They're largely putting in an HVAC control system, uh, and that's perfectly fine, and that's been great, and that's worked very well for everyone. But in this new world where integration and and more cloud and IT connectivity is required, then I think. Uh, increasing one's IT skills is hugely important. People have, uh, need to be very familiar with it, and and also up, upping the game on on awareness of cybersecurity issues. Um, I think that work being able to work with multiple protocols and understanding how to solve those problems for particular customers is really important, uh, and becoming more aware of the other domains. So instead of HVAC guys just doing HVAC and not really touching the lighting much. You know, I think increasingly lighting and HVAC will be uh, moving, certainly on smaller buildings, there's not really a justification having two separate systems. It's much better if it's all together. But of course, the lighting's become more complex. So before, it was easy to just switch it on and off through the BMS. But it's not like that anymore, or won't be so much going forward, because you've got hue control. And uh, so there's a sort of pull away from integrated systems in that sense. So say a small retail site, all you did turn the lights on and off, you could do that through the BMS, no problem. But now you've got a hue control system and you've got indirectable LED luminaires, then suddenly you've got a separate lighting control system. Oh, well, that means we've then got to talk to that and you've got to be expert at that. So, But it's a big challenge. And then, of course, there's the security integration as well, which I mentioned uh, earlier on. But uh, that's another dimension. And I don't. I think it's very hard. It's a very challenging role, especially for smaller companies where they can't ha- don't have as many people and therefore can't have those skills spread across a, a broader number of staff. I don't mm. want to go on too long about that, but I think that's a very interesting area. Um, we are hoping to start doing some seminars on the intelligent building and, and helping people. And we're coming out with a guide spec on how to spec an intelligent building because it's even that is quite a challenge for consultants. Mm. Well, um, that's good because there was a question you, just came in about that. It was saying, where would you go to recommend education on uh, IoT applications, smart buildings? Well, I'd love to say there's a great school down the road, but I, I don't think there is. I mean, I think this is an area we need, we, as manufacturers and suppliers in the industry, we need to work on because the, just like the BCIA worked on developing controls courses for, for the industry to up the skills of, of controls companies on, on the basic engineering, how you do controls. Uh, I think we need we need an I yeah we do need IoT training courses. I mean, much as I'd love to say, hey, we'll do it in Tridium. We, we're we've stretched resources, growing fast, and 
uh, we're we're really challenged with that. I mean, we'd like to, um, and and we do have a plan to do something for specifiers in the London area at least um, next year. We want to do it this year, but we're waiting on this guide spec uh, before we go for that. But uh, we can only scratch the surface. I mean, there is so much that we need to learn about all the things, and it's it's changing very rapidly. Yeah, I mean, do, do you as a as a supplier, as a manufacturer, I guess obviously part of your job is educating the market, but it shouldn't be your total responsibility, right? I mean, is there are there standard bodies or membership organisations that that do this kind of thing as well? Uh, well, I, I guess that Sipsi and and um, and so on may be doing such things. I, I, I'm not tuned into that, I'm afraid. I don't know. Um, someone else would have to answer that. I, I, I'm. I don't know. Uh, I'm not aware that there's much going on, to be honest, that would help us here, because I'm I'm also involved in a project in London where they're really wanting to push the boundaries on on the IoT type deployment and integrate everything. And um, you know, they they've complained to me and said, where do we go to get the expertise to do the consultancy on this? I mean, there are consultants out there who who do have more knowledge about this stuff and can help. But it's yeah, you've got to work. We've got to find them. They're, they're not. Yeah, that's there's, right. There's not a huge number. We of people. we actually um, did a webinar with with one uh, not so long back. So again, you can, if you go on our website memory.com, you'll find some um, some resources, some old webinars, and articles you've written. Uh, probably yeah, should also mention of you, Jim. Maybe, Jim, maybe this is your next uh, market opportunity to run some IoT. Yeah. Thanks, Chris. Yeah, I will. Uh, I'll put I'll, I'll put the business case and business model together now. <laughs> I should mention Cabba as well in North America. Their uh, oh, association. Yeah. Well, I mean, while we're talking while we're talking about North America, it is it is worth mentioning that I think the uh, although I often feel a lot of your innovation comes out of Europe uh, and, and we're ahead of the game on this, and certainly with Tridium we we found that often we're we're presenting them with problems because we're doing stuff ahead of where they're at in the U.S. I would say on the subject of integration. There are a lot more bigger companies doing systems integration in the U.S., and and quite a, and quite a lot of buildings have got some at least partial integration. Now that's different from IoT, of course, but um, I, I think there there is because they've got bigger buildings and perhaps a more gung ho attitude towards this, whereas we're a bit more conservative. They may be a bit further down the road there, and and certainly Carver have, have um, and, and Realcom have, have both tried to move the game forward over there. Yeah, definitely. One final question for you. Are there any case studies that show quantifiable benefits or metrics in integrating data analytics with IoT? Yeah. Um, That's a tough one, isn't it, I think? Yeah, that is a tough one. Y yes and no, again, um, because, yes, there are examples where a return of, on investment can be demonstrated. We have one, for example, employing analytics on um, a, a process plant to reduce defect rates in an in a factory environment. Um, we've we've also got, I think, a couple of case studies on some building applications. But it's early days for us, at least, to do case studies. I guess if you went to Sky Foundry, one would hope that they've done some more work on it because they've been doing it a bit longer. But I'm not aware which ones they've got. Uh, I should probably look that up. Uh, but the, the difficulty, well, no, it, it's back to the point about each organization has to, I think it's very um, site-specific what can be achieved. And although there are some general stuff that you could get on fault diagnostics probably, because that's very common, everyone's using valves, actuators, and similar sort of kit, therefore running the same sort of algorithms should deliver similar results. I think there's a lot also of very specific 
opportunities within organizations. So you have to build a use case for each one. I, I wish there was better resources <clears throat> for that at the moment, but I think it's sufficiently early in the process of, of deploying analytics in buildings that there's not uh, there's not too much help on that front, unfortunately. But I think you can work it out. You can do the maths. You can you can make the judgments. You know how I mean. For example, take the um, take the case of I, I want to. If you're looking at you know you're being offered. Uh, that, that the, the, the wireless sensors to do occupancy and temperature monitoring in your building. You've already got a control system, but this is offering you another level of information and detail on, on what your conditions are in the building. Now, there, there's, there's an ROI case you could build for that based on uh, improved com uh, awareness of comfort conditions and possibility of optimizing it, which might have an improvement on well-being and productivity. That's a qualitative argument. You could put a number on it, maybe. There's also the um, the occupancy sensors would give you information about the space utilization, which if you applied analytics to that would then potentially give you a better understanding of how you could change the layout of the building, which might reduce your overheads uh, or enable you to downsize the building or relocate some staff into the office or whatever to maximize its usage. And there's some big bucks on the back of that in terms of paybacks. So. Uh, you, you know, you, but that would be specific, dependent on the size of the office, the situation of the company. Are they growing, shrinking? You know, there's so many other factors. It's impossible to generalise uh, at the moment uh, for me, anyway. I, I'm, I wish I could say more on that, but I, I think it's early days. You mentioned one earlier uh, case study. Is that on the Tridium website if they want to find it? Uh, yeah, the, the 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 one about um, process. Yeah, it's, a, it's in a Honeywell factory, um, and I think it is uh, is on the American website at least. I don't know if it's on our European one. Our European one's down today for some reason. I don't know if it's back up again, but it was down today. But um, the the US site, I think, has got it on there. Yeah. Okay. Well, it's under uh, the industrial. It's under the industrial section, I think. Okay, great. It's just uh, one page. Yeah. yeah. Right. Okay. Well, I, um, I'll. Um, We'll be well. We're recording this, and I'm going to post the audio on our website uh, later, probably tomorrow. Uh, and I'll include a link to uh, to to that case study. Um, so yeah, okay. if anyone wants to listen again, um, then they can. Uh, then the audio will be re up on our website, and we'll include um, the uh, the slides as well. Uh, so just a couple of things to say. Um, we're actually. Memory publishing a new report this this week, and it's specifically about IoT in uh, smart commercial buildings. So keep an eye out for information on that. And obviously, I need to thank uh, Chris for your time and uh, for answering some, uh, you know, going through that. I thought it was really interesting points, uh, and we could talk for another another hour. But unfortunately, I'm sure you've got got other things to do. Yeah, yeah, I know. Indeed, I mean, I mean this is a, an ongoing conversation for the whole industry, and I think it's a very exciting, changing time uh, with new challenges, and uh, we we need to embrace it and work with it to to deliver better solutions for customers. At the end of the day, it's about making smarter buildings that we all benefit from um, in because we live in them. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Great, and uh, just also to say thanks to everyone for listening and. Um, yeah, keep, keep an eye out for the next webinar, which will be um, in October. Um, we do one every month. Um, so, yeah, thanks again, and uh, goodbye for now. Right. Thank you. Okay. Bye-bye.